And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Tuesday the 26th of September. I'm Tim Spears and today we're asking... What is Liverpool 2.0? I don't think there's any, there's another team in the league that have the array of firepower that Liverpool have. Why is Pep Guardiola angry? He blamed the referee for the game descending into chaos. And what on earth is happening at Ajax? Marco van Basten's been on Dutch television saying this isn't Ajax, this is FC Amsterdam. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Tim Spears. Liverpool's win over West Ham on Sunday extended their unbeaten run in all competitions to 18 matches. McAllister lifted over the top. There he is! The Reds endured a fallow year last season when finishing fifth, but with some new signings and a new formation, they look reinvigorated. They even have a new nickname. So, are they positioning themselves as possible title challengers again? Basically, what we're asking is, are Liverpool the real deal? Who better to ask than Reds guru James Pearce? What's Liverpool 2.0 then, James? Well, it's the it's the phrase that Jurgen Klopp has given to this kind of revamped, new look team that he is has assembled. It was, you know, a pretty huge summer of change at Liverpool. It's been a you know an extensive midfield rebuild that Klopp has overseen, and yeah, he's he's talked about this being a new beginning. You know, he said he might have been at the club for approaching eight years, but he said for this team, this is year one. And that is that is how they view it as, you know, this is a, a new chapter. So who are the players that are really sort of coming to the fore then in this team from what you've seen this season? The biggest difference by an absolute mile is having energy, dynamism and creativity from midfield because it was so glaring for probably the first two thirds of last season. We're still yet to see much from Ryan Gravenberch and Wataru Endo. They were two of the new arrivals, but the, the two that have really hit the ground running are Alexis McAllister and Dominic Zaboslai. Both of them in, in different ways. I'd say Zaboslai has probably been a bit more eye-catching, but you know when you throw into the mix Darwin Nunes hitting some form, you know, I, I don't think there's, any, there's another team in the league that have the array of firepower that, that Liverpool have. When you think you know they were in a position like against West Ham at the weekend where you know, you've got a front three of Salah, Nunes and Diaz and you're, and you're able to bring on attackers of the calibre of Jota and, and Gagpo. Certainly no doubts on those fronts. What about the defence though? We saw against Bournemouth at the start of that game, also against Newcastle, some defensive frailties. Is the defence good enough for a title challenge, do you think? I think that's the one question mark, and I think it's probably too early in the season to know the answer to that. You know whether they are good enough for targets to go beyond just getting back in the top four, which is obviously the overriding priority this season. There has been a degree of the firepower kind of papering over issues further back in terms of how we, you know, how many chances they've been giving up. You know, of course, it helps when you've got a world class goalkeeper like they have in Alison Becker. There is a question mark there in terms of the depth at centre-back. I think a lot of fans were calling for another centre-back 
to be added before the window shut. They didn't. Klopp has put a lot of faith in young Gerald Kwanzaa from the academy to to effectively be that fifth choice centre back. So yeah, still some things to prove. But I think after so many changes this summer, you know, if you'd offered any Liverpool fan sixteen points at the first eighteen on offer and a winning start in Europe, they'd have absolutely taken that. And just finally, I know they've got the Leicester game to come in midweek, but then this mouthwatering tie at Spurs on Saturday. It's going to be such a big test of where both teams are at right now. Yeah, yeah, it is It is one to absolutely relish when when you think of not only just the form, but I think that the brand of football both teams are playing as well because two teams that are really pleasing on the eye. And it is going to be yeah a real barometer of, of where these two are at because both of them will be going into it with momentum behind them. That makes it all the more intriguing. The team Liverpool and everyone else will be looking to catch this season is of course Manchester City who have started their campaign with six wins from six. They beat Nottingham Forest comfortably enough at the weekend but there was a potentially damaging moment. Yes, we are all looking for imperfections with City when Rodri was sent off. For a sixth consecutive victory and there is a little bit of frustration boiling over there between Gibbs-White and Rodri and the referee will just have to get involved in this and there's a red card for Rodri. He now faces a three-game ban, which includes the trip to Arsenal a week on Sunday. So, does this now lead to an opportunity for that guy called Calvin Phillips? You may remember him as one of England's best players at the Euros in 2021, but who has spent the last year getting splinters on a subs bench. Phillips has only started two Premier League games for City since moving from Leeds in 2022, and he says this forthcoming week is the biggest of his City career so far. Sam Lee's written all about this for The Athletic, and he joins us now. So, Rodri first, Sam. Guardiola's pretty angry then. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Guardiola was actually angry with the referee in generally on Saturday. He blamed the referee for the game descending into chaos, um, and that was because he said the referee wasn't booking players for certain incidents and he was the next time and he mentioned that two or three times but even so he still said he had no complaints with the red card itself he said he didn't think it should be a a three-game ban but he said it's definitely a red card and if it were up to him he wouldn't bother appealing it Uh, he even likened it to the Carl Walker red card against Leipzig a few seasons ago it was the last game of the Champions League group stage City had already qualified at the top and he missed both last 16 games and the first leg of the quarterfinal against Atletico Madrid. And Guardiola wasn't happy about that at all. And it took Walker a while to get back in the team. I don't think that'll be the case for Rodri. He'll pretty much be straight back in. But it was uncharacteristic. And yeah, Guardiola's definitely angry about it. I mean, it does kind of feel like make or break for Calvin Phillips. Basically, that's what he said himself. In your piece, he says how difficult it's been to stay upbeat, you know, being on the fringes at City, barely getting any minutes. Why hasn't he had more minutes other than the obvious sort of competition for places argument. Does Guardiola just not trust him? Yeah, I wonder if it's more about Guardiola's personality than Phillips's. But, I mean, to be fair, personality is probably not the right word for me to use. It's not like there's a personality clash. It's not like, you know, for example, if Xao Cancelo came back to City next summer, you think, oh, could it work? Could they use him at right back? You know, will they? Does he fit into the tactical plans? It doesn't matter. He's burned his bridges, it's game over. That's all That's all done. That's not the case with Phillips. There's no personal thing there. It's just, I mean, in short, Guardiola doesn't really think he's, he's up to it. And again, I can go into all the ins and outs, but just look at the minutes he's had since he joined and look at the players City have bought this summer and the minutes they've had so far. So it's obvious. Can he turn it around? I'm very dubious. I think he'll play at Newcastle. I'd be surprised if he played after that. Look, if he does play after that, then maybe you're talking, okay, yeah, green shoots of recovery. 
But if he plays at Newcastle and then he doesn't play at Wolves and obviously, I wouldn't have thought, play at Arsenal, then you can start to see the writing being on the wall there. He's obviously a good lad, Phillips. He's really desperate to, to give it a go and make it work. But it's just up to Guardiola, really. And I think he doesn't really think he's up to it. And you can see that by his selections. Great. Thanks, Sam. You can get more from Sam on this story over on the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akimuleri, which is out later today. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. Now, one of the most remarkable stories in European football at the weekend came from Amsterdam. Ajax's match against Feyenoord was abandoned after fans threw fireworks and flares onto the pitch. Ajax were 3-0 down at the time, continuing their awful start to the season, and trouble continued outside the ground with police forced to use tear gas to stop rioting fans. The two sides will try again tomorrow, this time in an empty stadium, with the game restarting in the 56th minute. Our football writer Karl Anker is here to try and explain the madness. Karl, what on earth happened? In a sound effect. What, what happened was, Ajax versus final kicked off at 1.30 UK time on Sunday. And within 40 minutes, Ajax were three goals down. And it's very, very, very embarrassing for Ajax to, to be beaten or losing in such a fashion to Feyenoord. Something's really, really important to remember is in the Classica, in Ajax final or final versus Ajax, there are no away fans. So this is a derby that has been marked by a lot of bad blood and unfortunately fan violence. So when we're talking about fan trouble in the stadium, we are talking exclusively Ajax fans. So Ajax are 3-0 down after 40 minutes. And basically after the third goal, there is so many fireworks, so much flair, so much disruption that an edit goes down from match officials and there is a stadium announcement saying, what's the effect of, if you keep doing that, the game will get suspended. To which the Ajax Ultras took that as a challenge and went fantastic uh, and proceeded to throw more flares and let off pyrotechnics. And at 55 minutes, the game was abandoned. For the uninitiated, you went to this fixture last season, so you saw firsthand... There's a fierce intensity to this match. Can you kind of sum up from your research in, into this derby and from attending it last season? You know, just how just how deep it runs and how the, and how that leads to something like we saw on at the weekend. It's huge. The classicer is a fight for for the, well, depending who you talk to, it's a fight for the soul of Dutch football because Dutch football for Ajax to be in such a bad state and final to be so far ahead of them tactically is a huge insult to. Loads of Ajax fans. Marco van Basten's been on Dutch television saying he doesn't even see Ajax anymore. He goes, this isn't Ajax, this is FC Amsterdam. And Feyenoord are quietly cackling at the fact that they are so far ahead on the pitch. And, and it seems like off the field as well. They've, they've managed to retain on a slot after some overtures from Spurs, but they, they just are the best team in the Netherlands at the moment. Yeah, Ajax are in a bad state. They lost their director of football while he left the club on Sunday night as well. So there's there's not much going right there. What's gone wrong in the, in the past few months? I mean, we could do a 40-minute podcast about this. But in short, what I'll, what I'll tell you is... So when I was in the Netherlands earlier this year for the last Classica, they lost 3-2. And after that game, the then CEO, Edwin van der Sar, was cornered by Ajax fans. And he, he departed as the director of football. There was no director of football at the time for Ajax. The, the job was, was split between Jerry Hamza and Klaas Jan Hontela. And there was this real power vacuum for ages. There was a new director of football, Sven Misseltat which Arsenal fans may remember. And he came in and he is data-driven. And he went for you know, a big push, brought in 10 players, picked in Stein, and it was all about trying to find uh, players that overachieve and, and punch above the level and Ajax can get back to where they want to be, which is win the, win the Eredivisie every single season and become essentially the Bayern Munich of the Netherlands. What's happened is a lot of those players have not performed well 
Luis Ocampos was their loan signing last season to replace the departed Anthony to Manchester United. And he was so bad that the Ajax board vetoed the obligation to buying Terminator's contract. So it's been horrible. Uh, and then very recently, and I'm talking about last week, uh, Ajax released a statement saying there was some irregularity due to the signing of Carlos Brojes. It appears that Carlos Brojes has an agent and the agent works for a company and that company has shares that Sven Mistletat owns. Ajax have investigated this and said we're going to investigate this formally and then essentially immediately after the Classica, they said Sven Mistletat is gone. And I really want to pick out the line in this. Ajax have ended the collaboration with director of football Sven Mistletat with immediate effect. The lack of broad support within the organisation is the reason behind this decision which is worth to the effects of everyone at this company thinks he stinks and we want him gone. So huge organization overhaul is due at Ajax. Just time to let you know what's on TV tonight. The Carabao Cup returns and Manchester United are in action against Crystal Palace in the third round of the competition. You can see that on Sky Sports at 8pm or on ESPN Plus in the States at 3pm Eastern Time. The same channel would also screen the mighty Wolverhampton Wanderers away at Ipswich Town, you lucky Americans. There's also international action later on UK telly with Serena Beegman's Lionesses taking on the Netherlands in a Nations League game in Utrecht. That's on ITV4 at 7pm. That's it for today's briefing. I've been Tim Spears. Your producer was Abby Patterson and your executive producer was Ian McIntosh. Thank you for listening. To make sure you get each episode downloaded into your playlist fresh out of the audio press, then hit that follow button on your podcast app of choice. Michael Bailey is with you tomorrow. Until then, have a good one. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.